Any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. Good morning or afternoon, I'm not sure when uh, you might be hearing us for the first time on your Monday, but welcome to another edition of Any Given Monday, the podcast that fills you in on everything that's happened over the weekend's footy and uh, as always, some plenty to talk about, let's be honest, so we'll get straight into into it. I'm Dr Dan Eddy, uh, Bombers fan who is just recovering from a near heart attack over the weekend, <laughs> but uh, is relatively happy. Although a bit nervous playing Brisbane next week. And uh, my my good mate and co-pilot, Owen Carter, the man who is uh, just dominating the local local game here and he's across everything. Welcome, mate. Thank you very much. Great to be talking to you about footy again and welcome, listeners. Yes, and uh, for all your local news, make sure you go to papernews.com.au where everything is covered Footy, uh, COVID nineteen. If you haven't had enough of the uh, enough of the uh, the stories about that, it's insane, isn't it? But yeah, I've had enough of that. Yeah, I know. Hopefully, everyone's keeping safe out there and got your masks on and uh, settle in and just enjoy a bit of. Uh, we'll talk a bit of light hearted footy. We might get a bit serious. I know I uh, was a bit brutal last week on a few <laughs> players, but I'll uh, I'll soften them up this week. But. Uh, mate, we've got with us today. Oh, first of all, uh, oh, how was your week? What have you been up to, buddy? Uh, look, uh, very lucky to be watching a, a bit more footy and um, look, uh, nothing really sort of strenuous uh, this week. It's all business as usual, but, you know, I'm really excited to be talking about two Saints wins this week uh, on the podcast. <laughs> uh, nice win on the on the Monday night against Adelaide. We haven't won there for a while and um, backed it up with another win against Port in Adelaide. So I'm pretty excited to talk about that. Yeah, I thought you would be. So I thought I'd just uh, make a phone call. I've... I've my old co-pilot down here in when I used to do 3M FM's uh, Friday Footy Fanatics, Brad Sinclair, he moved away. He left me in the lurch, just sort of dumped me on the doorstep <laughs> like many a woman has done over the journey. And he went to uh, went to better pastures by by moving north to Queensland. And he probably thought, you know, I'll I might struggle for a bit of my footy fix up here. I know he's coaching up there and. He's still heavily involved in the game and he's hosting another great show up there on radio, which he can tell us about. But he probably went up there thinking, oh, it'd be nice to see an AFL game this year, but it probably won't happen. And now he's living in the centre of the football universe. So we had to get him on and he just happens to be an ex-Sainter who loves the Saints and hates the Magpies. So he's got plenty to talk about this week. We welcome uh, Brad Sinclair. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Good evening, afternoon, whatever it is in uh, Melbourne, you masked bandits. Um, <laughs> it's good to uh, good to talk to you. I've been listening to you on your Monday fix of footy, and um, it's good to be talking footy with you guys again. 
Yeah, it is good to hear your voice, mate. Now, if anyone follows you on social media, they'll notice that uh, there's a lot of time being spent in cafes and bars that overlook the water. <laughs> I don't know what else you're doing up there. Just tell us where you are and what you're doing. Mate, I am based... Uh, Melbourne people won't like what I'm just about to say, <laughs> but I am based in paradise in a little little hamlet called Palm Cove, which uh-huh. is halfway between Cairns and Port Douglas, and I'm uh, across the road from the uh, Coral Sea, and my, I'm sitting out on my little balcony as we speak. I can hear the ocean, and I'm looking at the pool. <laughs> so you can imagine how happy I am right now. <laughs> I remember some uh, radio shows we did uh, in the middle of winter and we'd stop halfway to get a coffee and look outside and it was about minus 10 and it was, it was bucketing down. We couldn't even see the, the inlet at Inverloch there, but uh, quite, a, quite a sea change for you in the last few months. I do not miss that, uh, Dan, at all. <laughs> and uh, let's remember the three of us on grand final day out at um, Garfield <laughs> of 2019. No, wasn't a nice day either. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've got you two Sainters on. I thought normally we run the games in order, but we're not. We're just going to throw things out the window. A bit like the season this year, we're going to throw things out the window this week. And we're going to start off with uh, a pretty awesome, pretty awesome match, to be honest. Uh, Port Adelaide top of the table against the Rising Saints. And... Uh, I'll say the score, which was 12-1-73 St Kilda. Remarkable kicking to 6-8-44 Port Adelaide. They knocked off the top team, the Saints, and they are flying. Righto, boys. Off you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's um, it one of those games where I, I started watching it and it's a bit of an arm wrestle in early day or a first three quarters, really, wasn't it? And uh, first quarter, you see Robbie Gray, Robbie Gray rather slot a goal in the pocket and go, yeah, here we go again. But he, <laughs> he didn't do a lot after that, so um, I was pretty happy with that. Uh, it's really good to see St Kilda put a side away in the last quarter. They're, they're pretty famous for letting sides back in, and um, to see them do that was, was really good. Hunter Clark, watching him come of age after a couple of years on the list is really good off half-back. And the Marshall-Ryder combo was a real winner for the Saints uh, mm. last or well, Saturday night. Uh, took care of Lettums, who obviously is not an established player as, as such, but it was good to see him do well. And look, the, the Saints are, are showing a little bit of depth now, and Seb Ross got a bit of a calf complaint late in that game, and... They're not looking too worried about that. Mind you, if you jump on uh, social media, there'll be plenty of St Kilda supporters that will say Seb Ross was due to go anyway. <laughs> Turnover king, but uh, <laughs> no, nah, a really good win for the Saints. Um, Brad, what did you think of the win? Oh, look, I was very boyish. I mean, I'd coached during the day and we got touched up by eight goals. So my weekend uh, could have got really bad Saturday night and it all of a sudden took a great turn um, for the better. And I, I, like you, Owen, I thought Marshall and Ryder were just amazing. But I, I think the recruit of the year in the competition is uh, Dan Butler. Yep. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just a super player. And he's what we needed. We needed some piece of pace around that goal, goal mouth area. Zach yep. Jones, we needed some hardness and pace. We needed Hill on the outside with some pace. Mm. We needed another good, strong defender in Dougal Howard up back. And they're all yep. standing up. And how good's the young kid up forward, Max King? So there's a lot to crow about. Yeah. Certainly is, and I know you'd be doing a lot of crowing up there, Brad. Uh, just who who is the Saints' 
uh, recruiter, and because he has done it, or she, I, I assume it's a he, has done an outstanding, <laughs> outstanding job over the summer. Because uh, as we've seen with Hawthorne and Sydney over the years, they just know how to pick up players from other clubs and really fill the needs that they require, even if they're not a superstar player as such. And uh, St Kilda's done it perfectly. Well, they have, and they've got a pretty good team there together. I mean, they had a bad, bad run for a few years. Let's remember that, and I. I I still don't think the Dan Hanbury uh, recruit was a good one, mm. um, but they've had some bad uh, ones along the way, and and uh, a couple. Yeah, I don't want to know them, but a couple got sacked because of it. Um, and so now they've got it right. And I, what I'm being told, Brett Ratton had a lot to do with it. Okay, he had a lot yeah. to do with it. He, they wanted pace, um, and he said, "This is this was the certain game plan. If we can get some pace in." We've got a very, very good forward coming up in Max King. We get some pace in around that, getting the footy in nice and quick. Max King and Tim Membry, that's why they unloaded Bruce over to the Bulldogs. They were quite happy to see him go. Um, they knew that he would have been a bit of a spare parts player. Now he goes to the Bulldogs and he's okay. So it's a win-win. And they've recruited really well. I, I, and I, I don't know why, but Brad Hill's copping a fair bit of uh, heat too from a lot of outside people on, yeah. on his uh, performances so far. And look, he had 16 possessions last night, but the thing with what he does, he, he runs the ball through the space and it makes the defenders panic And because he's so quick, he's going to get it in there quick. I, I think he's been a huge pickup and he's still yet agreed. to play his best footy for us. Yeah, agreed. Mm. You mentioned um, you mentioned Josh Bruce had gone, and in the last couple of years, one thing that has probably caused you to be as bald as you are, Brad, is that uh, <laughs> is that the the Saints seem to miss uh, about three times as many shots as they actually kick, and uh, it's been horrendous for the last couple of years, and that probably helped kill Alan Richardson's career, unfortunately. But um, now they've just become the third team in history, I believe, to have won a game kicking just the one point, if that makes sense. So the turnaround in terms of accuracy is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's always been my bugbear. And I remember doing radio with you, Dan. We used to talk about it, that um, they're full-time. They get paid a Monza. Uh, and the kicking for goal is the one part of the game that never improved. And it was always a real bugbear with me. And they've got it up to around that late 60s, early 70% now. Now, that is huge, considering they were hitting it at about 45%. Uh, St Kilda now, are on, if you have a goals kick ladder, St Kilda are on top. Yeah. Now, they've kicked more goals than any other side, followed by Port Adelaide, Carlton and West Coast. Now, Collingwood, and uh, you know I love talking about them, uh, they, they, they base their game around pressure tactics and starving the uh, opposition to score. Well, that worked really well this weekend. West Coast, 18-3. <laughs> and you cannot win finals unless you're kicking goals. So Collingwood's got a great game plan for um, rounds 1 to 18, or whatever it is this year. But uh, after round 18 or 22... Uh, they're going to struggle. So the Saints, yeah, he's turned it around, Ratton. Definitely, and it's it's interesting. Just on Brett Ratton, I've interviewed David Parkin a few times over the years, and Brett obviously played at Carlton under David. And uh, David told told me a story how Brett for Brett's first year, I reckon, which is say ninety five ish, the year they won their premiership, 
So he's a young kid and he's in amongst these awesome names like Kernahan and Bradley and Williams and all these real personalities. And they were selecting the captains and vice captains and Brett, being the young kid, wasn't selected. And he went into David Parkin's office and said, David, why aren't I in the leadership group? And, and he just had that confidence in himself. And David said he's one of the smartest footballers he ever coached. And that, I think that was talked about a bit when he was coaching Carlton. And then for some silly reason, Mick Malthouse became available and calling, uh, the Blues thought they should get rid of Ratton when he hadn't actually done a bad job. And uh, he's, so they missed out on him. Things didn't improve for the Blues. Uh, Ratton went to Hawthorne and learnt... Even more under Clarkson, and uh, you know he's a he's a great catch for the Saints. Yeah, um, big mistake by the Blues, no doubt about that. And, and they were romanced by the Mick Malthouse yeah. uh, thing. There's no doubt about that. They were romanced, and 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 yeah, they won't, wouldn't admit it, but geez, there'd be some uh, people at Carlton kicking themselves now, wouldn't they? Oh, definitely, yeah, and over, over a few decisions <laughs> during that period. Uh, you, you two boys, uh, Owen, you, your Saints are third now. You're uh, yeah, pretty who much, thought? yeah. Who would have thought you're a game off the top two teams, Port Adelaide and Brisbane, and your percentage is right up there near the top. So I'm assuming now you you are feeling somewhat confident that you can push for a top four spot this year. No, not at all. You <laughs> <laughs> sound like my dad. <laughs> uh, Brad and I will both know both know that uh, you you can't be confident in anything. They could quickly lose the next three mates. So uh, one week at a time. I'm not going to be drinking our own bathwater anytime soon. No, but we'll, we'll enjoy oh, I've the got uh, a belly full. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a belly full of bathwater. I haven't stopped, Clay. Hey, you reckon you can finish that high up, Brad? You reckon you can maintain this? I think they can because what I look at now, round one, they led North Melbourne by 30 points, lost by two. Round six, they lost to Fremantle by a goal after leading by 36 points. Those two games they win, they're seven and one. And we're talking about the 2020 Saints like we were about the 2015 Western Bulldogs and the 2017 Richmond. That's how close they are. Well, good point. The thing is, they've, they've got to go all the way yet. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go a week at a time, and, and Brad, you can pump them up as long as you want. Well, book holiday. I don't think you're the only one, mate. Well, they, you, well you won't be travelling to Victoria to watch them play finals. Oh, isn't it? Isn't it ironic that the one year that they might actually challenge for a premiership, there's no crowd allowed to go to games? So that's. I was that's saying tragic. to a friend of mine, uh, this will be the year. If any year we break the drought, it's this year because no one will be able to go and see them. They won't get a Ticketek parade. They won't get anything. So <laughs> if it's going to be a year. It's this year. Well, yep. the good thing is, uh, as we said, Brad, you're based in one of the centres of the footy universe. So just tell us about the the vibe up there and what it's like because uh, you've got some games even, I think, coming up your way, aren't you? So there, it's, uh, there must be getting some coverage that you never thought it would get in Queensland. Massive. Uh, in Cairns, it's, it's absolutely massive. They From 2015 or 14, or sorry, 13, they were having a game a year. And it was pretty big then. But now this is two sides that are going to hub here for 28 days. Um, They're going to play a minimum. It's a minimum of three games, a possible four. The two clubs, and I'll give you a a bit of a scoop here, Dan and Owen, are rumoured to be Carlton and Collingwood that will hub here. (laughs) Wow. 
Jeez. Couldn't uh, you couldn't have ever dreamed that those two clubs would be playing at uh, Kazali Stadium. <laughs> exactly right. Now Kazali yeah. Stadium is the the ground that I coach on. Oh yeah. And um, we we played there yesterday and uh, or Saturday and they interviewed the, the Channel Nine News up here. The local footies. Uh, got incredible coverage and they interviewed me after the game and they were talking about I'm going to be moved off my ground for probably six weeks huh? we won't be able to train there or play there yeah. and they said you'd be shattered wouldn't you I said you're kidding aren't you I said there's real footy coming to town I'll go and play in the car park oh <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I mean that's yeah that's huge I mean uh, how exciting for the locals Do, how many does Kazali hold there what's the crowd numbers there it, it, it'll hold. It holds around that thir- comfortably thirteen to fourteen thousand. Yep. But um, with the COVID rules, they'll probably only be allowed to have about eight thousand in there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's 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 still a bit tricky, uh, and that's changing day to day. So it, it is. It's a, it's a massive thing. So the next round of fixturing, I think it's from August twenty second. Mm-hmm. Two clubs will move here for 28 days. Other clubs will fly in and out to play them. And it's just massive. And, and look, this area's taken a huge hit through COVID too because the tourism is just non-existent. Has been, yeah. A lot of businesses have closed and probably won't reopen. Um, so that's unfortunate. But So this is a huge shot in the arm uh, for everyone. And, and uh, I know the boys at AFL Cairns uh, have got a real spring in their step now. I bet. What, what's the team you coach up there? Mananda Hawks, yeah. There's, I'll tell you what, there's a few league guy, ex-AFL uh, guys up here. Uh, Aaron Davies coaching here and Ronnie oh, yeah. Burns is coaching another club. Oh, yeah. Peter German's a football manager at one club. Sam Bleese is a footy manager at another, ex-Melbourne. Um, and I think he might have had a run at Fremantle too, Sammy Bleese. Mm. Um, so it, it's got a real good feel for it, the local comp now. And because, you know, we didn't think there was going to be any footy, but we're actually knocking out a... A fourteen-game competition. Gee. So yeah, it's not because you've got the weather. We we could just keep going, keep playing. The, the, yeah, the yeah, weather yeah. is yep. just incredible. Yeah. But our games will be moved now. It looks like that these guys are working pretty hard in overtime right now at AFL Cairns because they're going to change our whole fixture now. Because yeah. <laughs> they're going to move us, and we'll be playing midweek games. So that's going to interrupt with oh, my wow. cafe. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, it's uh, it's what's what's the standard of footy like there, mate? I mean, is it uh, is it local country level? Is it VFL level? Or where are we where are we sort of talking? Well, I reckon it's it's somewhere you'll be surprised. It's somewhere between Alberton and West Gippie. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. now, now that would surprise you because you would think. It's got TV coverage, radio coverage, incredible press coverage in the major papers here. You would think it'd be better brand, but it's not. As It's probably just a bit short of West Gippie, but yeah, you're playing on the best facilities. It's definitely a lot faster, and that's because of the grounds and the weather. So it's definitely a lot faster. It's not as skillful, and it's not as brutal. It's more outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More, more, visual, more visually pleasant to watch. Well, you've got beer gardens at every gram with uh, umbrellas and they bring a frothy out to you, Dan and Owen, and so I, I get jealous of them because I'm coaching in the box and I can't go over to the beer garden. 
Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it is incredible. Oh, you've done well getting up there. Hey, well. uh, I know you'd be also very happy with another result from this weekend's round. Uh, expected to be a one of one of the games of the round, really, and uh, turned out <laughs> for anyone who doesn't bear for Collingwood, it was probably the game of the round. But uh, Collingwood and West Coast over at West Coast, the Eagles were quite stunning, really. Eighteen three, one hundred and eleven to six. Nine forty-five. Just your thoughts on on that game, Brad? Because I knew you would have been pretty happy with the result, but just the way West Coast went about it was quite impressive. Yeah, I think West Coast, my new. Just after watching that game, they're probably my new flag favourite. To be honest, um, they, they just play. They played a, a, an incredible game, and and as much as I give it to Collingwood, but geez, they have a good pressure game. So, and that first quarter looked like it was going to be the same type and it was going to be hard to score against them and uh, then they just went to town after quarter time West Coast they were super impressive but there's some bad things bad numbers for us at Collingwood there's a lot of people walking around saying Collingwood's the side bang 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 look at their last month they've lost two uh, lost three one two they've played Giants who were in 13th spot at the time and lost played Essendon who were 10th and lost played Hawthorne who were 14th and won played Geelong, who were fifth and one, played West Coast, who were eighth, and lost. Now, they haven't played Brisbane or Port Adelaide this year, haven't played the Bulldogs, who were back in some sort of form, who were right up there, haven't played Gold Coast. They haven't played a few good sides. So, And they're not kicking enough goals. They're averaging nine goals a game. The thing is, they've been out. Sorry, Owen. So the thing no, is, they've right. been able to keep teams to low scores until today, haven't they? So that's been one thing that's worked in their favour. It has, but come finals, it's going to be a different thing. Um, yep. West Coast, and there'd be clubs picking that apart today. From tomorrow morning, when these coaches go to work, he'll have his assistant coaches picking Collingwood apart. How did West Coast kick eighteen goals? And they'll pull it apart, and they'll, they'll Collingwood will start getting scored on now. Yeah, well, um, as previously mentioned, both of you said the Collingwood's pressure game is what has won them games, but West Coast, as you say, have picked them apart. Um, I think West Coast's West Coast efficiency is really. Um, to, uh, attributed to their win as well, twenty-one shots at goal from thirty-five entries inside fifty. That's um, that's pretty good efficiency, I would have thought. Yeah, I, I rate that. As I just said earlier, uh, it's been a bugbear of mine. But you've got to rate that up with people say, "Oh, yeah, but they kick straight." Yeah, well, that's part of the game, boys. Um, mm, yeah. I, I'm big on this. I think that um. You can say a club's a really good pressure side or they've got really good backs and they work hard here or it's got the best midfield. Why don't we look at who's the best shots for goal? Because at the end of the day, it's what that scoreboard says who wins. Now Josh Kennedy will be right up there, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. He What did he kick today? Six straight? Seven. Seven straight. Yeah. First, first to first to seven goals for the season. It shows. I've, I'm researching a book on Peter Hudson at the moment. He kicked uh, a, seven goals was a bad game, and uh, for Hutto, we're talking about <laughs> one player in what sixty odd games who's kicked seven goals. So it's a very very different time. I think the Coleman medalist is about two foot tall, and 
buzzing around, packs up in Sydney, Tom Papley, but uh, it's amazing how the games change. But when all comes down to it, when you've got Darling and Kennedy and then also uh, uh, Jake Waterman and uh, another young bloke with blonde hair I can't think of, but takes a good mark, um, Oscar Allen. Uh, yeah, that's when one. you've got those blokes <laughs> buzzing around up there, uh, clunking probably every second mark that they go for, uh, you're in a pretty good pretty good place going into the finals, I reckon. Yeah, and, and they, they mark deep, so they're getting their shots within 25 metres. That's true. Mm, yeah, so there's a really good connection from their midfield to their forwards. So, you know, if they're taking their marks, and I, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I'd love to know their marks inside 50 today. They would have been right up there, and they're yeah. deep inside 50. Um, which you know, that's it, it gives you eighteen three. And have we seen the uh, the big Yank plays last game? I, <laughs> played mm. I was going to ask you about that number fourteen for Collingwood. Uh, is it Darcy Cameron? Um, had, yeah, uh, kicked a couple of goals early in the game. Probably didn't do as much after that, but did enough, I think, to keep your favourite player out for a bit longer. Oh, look, he, he's twenty five. He's just turned twenty five. You know, he was pick forty eight in the 2016 draft over to Sydney. Uh, made his debut for the Swans in 2018 against the Gold Coast Suns. Look, he's 204 centimetres, 100 kilos, six foot eight uh, in the old language. He, uh, he only played the one game for the Swans, but he had a, a lot of bad luck. He had a really bad lacerated finger that later got uh, really badly infected. Then he had shoulder surgery. They kept him on the list... 2019 because uh, Kurt Tippett was retiring, uh, Naismith was going, There was a, so they kept him on. Um, he only played one more game and they moved him on to Collingwood. i seen him hit packs hard today and he's clean with his hands. That's mm. the area that Mason Cox really fails to grab me. He doesn't hit the pack hard enough, he doesn't grab the ball, once the ball hits the ground he's gone. I like the work of Darcy Cameron. And, look, he's been there for five years, Mason Cox. He's now 29. He's averaged uh, something like 12 games a year over that time. Now, his career highlight, he won a Neil Danaher trophy. Now, please tell me what the Neil Danaher trophy is. (laughs) No idea. No idea. (laughs) That's what his career highlight is, and that's on Wikipedia. So, well, I think I think his best game was obviously that prelim against yeah, Richmond, where he just he just he just did some things that no one expected, and it was just blew you away. But uh, other than that, he has a swagger that doesn't really match the output. Well, he played two twenty four games in two thousand and eighteen. He's only managed fifteen in the next two years. I think yeah. he's gone. I think he won't play again. He's out of contract this year. At the end of this year, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's gone. He's 29. He hasn't got any better. They've now got a kid that I've seen enough of today that mm. says that he's, he's a better prospect. He's four years younger. Yeah, Mason's just got to hope for a few injuries. Uh, and there has been a few injuries. There's a lot of Collingwood supporters down in the this part of the world in South Gippsland area and, and around Gippsland, and unfortunately, uh, including my mother <laughs> and uh <laughs> And, Was there a prison uh, down that way, is there? Yeah, no, uh, Wanwan <laughs> Prison used to be down that way, yeah. Oh. And, but I um, I wonder... We're starting to alienate a, a few supporters, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, though, I do wonder whether 
there is a bit of heart for Collingwood in the sense that they're missing probably, what, four of their best players, including Penderbury, who pulled out like a second before the game. So that is yeah, one that positive. Them. Yeah, another stat that I've I, I got to think about. Now, this is what Collingwood say this a lot. When they get injuries, they use that a lot. Your list goes to 40. Spend your time. I've always said this. Spend your time at your bottom end of your list. Your top end of your list is your A-graders. They're always going to be your A-graders. If you don't put the time into the bottom end, when you do get injuries, that bottom end doesn't come up for you. And I reckon that's a real problem at Collingwood. And you talk to any player that was on the bottom end of the list, they never got on with Nathan Buckley. Yeah, right. Mm. So I, yeah, yeah. I think there's yeah. there's a bit in that. Yeah, okay. Bucks is, I think it was his 48th birthday today, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a good one. Great present. No, it wasn't a great present <laughs> for him. You won't be too too chuffed. And it, yeah, it started when Pendles pulled out with a sore back and went downhill after about twenty minutes. But good for us, all us uh, people who, who don't follow Collingwood. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> hey, Brad, we could talk to you all day, mate. But uh, we know you got to let we got to let you get back to the deck because uh, you've obviously got some. Babe watching to do up on the beach up there and uh, plenty of exercise. I'm, I'm hope you're keeping well with your health and everything. I'm sure it's been that was the reason for the move, and I'm, other than the massive pay packet for coaching the Hawks up there. But uh, we hope you we hope you're uh, feeling better in yourself. You sound like you are, and you look like you are. So I assume it's been good in that sense. Yeah, it's definitely been. Uh, yeah. I've- Probably not felt this good. Uh, well, won't get. I won't exaggerate, Dean, because I have been known to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> I haven't felt this good for about probably about eight years. So it, wow. it's, it's doing something for me, that's for sure. That's good awesome, on you, mate. And what? And just before we let you go, what's the what's the show you're, you've since you've dumped me and you've picked up someone <laughs> hotter and younger um, with more hair? Who? What's uh, what's the show that we can hear you from from down here each Friday afternoon? Yeah, Friday drive time, uh, four to six. We're doing a Friday sports show. We cover all sports. I'm doing that with Tyson Lane, who used to work with us too, Dan, and Dave Cameron, who was on Geelong's list. Um, So we're doing that every Friday, four to six. We're also just starting up a new uh, live stream Cairns footy show. And there's some other exciting news on the horizon. We could be doing some work for Triple M. So we're looking forward to that. So there's there's a fair bit going on at the moment. Good on you. So it's keeping so, me busy, but I'm loving it. So what's the website people can go to to listen to that live? That, that's where I listen to it, through the website. Yeah, it's uh, www. Oh, you don't have to say the dots, do you? Know? We're, we're going past that. It's au. Beautiful, and they've had me on there, Owen, in the past. So they're pretty desperate for guests, but they. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it is a, it is a ripper show, and it does cover everything. So make sure you jump on this for next Friday and and listen in. There'll be a fair bit of talk about the Saints, no doubt. Brad, thank you for joining us, mate. Always good to hear from you, and glad things are going well. Thanks, Inkers. Thanks, guys. Good to hear your voices. Love podcast. Keep it going. Go Cheers. Bombers. <laughs> Go Saints. <laughs> Fantastic. Brad Sinclair on the line there and just giving us a bit of an insight in how much he hates Collingwood and how much he loves St Kilda <laughs> and how much 
Queensland is the place to be at the moment. I mean, how how awesome is that? And that uh, who'd have ever thought that we'd be saying that Queensland is the place to go for footy? It is for everything else, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, speaking to Brad, uh, it's fairly apparent in his love for St Kilda and hate for Collingwood. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, great timing from Sinkers to get up there at, at this time of year, absolutely, and he's uh, planned it very very well. Definitely, mate. Now. Suns and the, there've been some really good games this round. I mean, just looking, just flicking through, the games have been decided by five points, twelve points, seven points, third, uh, seven points again, twenty nine points, three points, the blowout with the Eagles, and then uh, four points in the Melbourne Brisbane game. So if you if you're an AFL trying to have an equalised competition, you're pretty happy with what's happened over the last four days or so. Oh, mate, I've thrown my my tipping book up in the air and just uh, <laughs> let it go because uh, this this year's a write-off tipping-wise. But, yeah, it's great to see some good close games, isn't it? Um, just uh, there, was, there was a few blowouts uh, earlier on in the season, so good to see it evening up and seeing some teams that were a bit lower towards the start of the year starting to pick up their game. Uh, cue the sleeping giant that's West Coast Eagles. Yep. Um, but, yeah, the, the Suns and Dogs game was... Um, was a, a nice defensive arm wrestle, but but it was played in an attacking manner as well. It wasn't a defensive slog from a week or two ago, uh, a la Sydney Richmond, was it? Definitely not. The dogs got up fifty-one. Just lost my stats, but the dogs got up fifty-one <laughs> to forty-six in a very thrilling. I mean, it was it was bucketing rain at times, mm. and there was you know. Some of the skills were pretty good considering, but it was one of those old school, just get it on and just get it up there and make it happen. You had to really will yourself and make it happen. The dogs, I mean, found a way to get up and after their yeah. great win against the Bombers the week before, they're, they're, they're tracking pretty well at the moment, the dogs. I mean, they're sitting fifth. Um, you know, they're only a game off top spot. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's pretty impressive after eight rounds. Yeah, it gives you an idea of how big the bottleneck is up the top, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, look, the, the Suns um, dominated for a bit in this game. They just couldn't put any scoreboard pressure on. Um, the defensive pressure from both both sides was pretty good. Uh, when they got their run and carry games going, they looked good as well. Uh, dogs just, they just got on top. And uh, while the Suns were determined and worked their way back into the game when they, when they lost the trend of the game, the Dogs just looked a bit slicker for mine. And... Uh, a couple of interesting things that came out of this game, like the the score review. Um, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, there was a there was a goal score review where the umpire, the field umpire, decided to review it, and the the Gold Coast player, I think it was Will Powell, he said, "I I didn't touch it, but it, <laughs> it still went through." So um, the old Adam Gilchrist honesty didn't work on this occasion, but yeah, it was still amazing. it came out the right decision. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, most have been the arc I've found has been pretty good. The the review system, I reckon, mm. for the most part, the percentage wise, I reckon they'd be doing pretty well at the moment in terms of the positive outcomes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I think they've got most of those decisions, if not all of them, right. So whereas the previous uh, programs they've had, uh, not quite as much. So a, a tick for AFL there. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, there's other things that they need work on, but we'll touch on that later, I think. We will. My favourite player in the competition, he has been for probably three or four years now, is Toby Green. And yes. he was, there's been so much talk about Christian Petrarca and all this. A 
when everyone is playing at their best, one of the most watchable blokes in the competition is Toby Green, and he comes back from, uh, I think it was injury, and he's kicked five straight, uh, eight marks. Just every time the ball was near him, something happened, and he was... Yeah, it become a real fascinating clash. I mean, Richmond... Uh, the final score was nine eight sixty two to the Giants to six fourteen fifty Richmond, so they'd be disappointed there. But uh, it become a real um, Dusty and Toby show, and you got yeah. the sense that at times Dusty thought, "Hang on, no, I'm the best player in the league here. <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> down there?" But I, I just I, you can give me you can give me Buddy, you can give me anyone you want, but Toby's the my favourite player to watch, and he was just magnetic on the. When did they play? The other night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, depending on when you're listening. Yeah, uh, yeah look, Tony uh, – Tony. Toby, uh, as you say, uh, really drew the ball to him and, and did something with it. He was damaging. So five goals will always uh, – well, generally, will most of the time get your side over the line. But he did have help, obviously. There was a nice even spread of GWS con- contributors and Stephen Coniglio was back in form. Josh Kelly was on top of his game and – I, th- I think there was just a few too many passengers in that Richmond side and they just uh, – GWS have had a few fade-outs in their previous games and they've allowed opposition teams to take control for five, ten minutes of the game and they've made them pay on the scoreboard. But Richmond weren't able to do this and I think there was part of that that allowed GWS to to stay in front and keep control of the game. Uh, the Giants, uh, yeah, as I say, that – they were just uh, they just did enough to to get over the line and and there was a, a moment there um, that I wanted to touch on too. Uh, Aiden Core, one of the defenders from the Giants, um, that deliberate rush behind decision. I feel there needs to be a bit more clarity and uh, we we touch back to umpiring decisions. He, he was right on the line. He was under pressure. Chose not to rush it because he didn't want to get pinged for deliberate and. In that case, he should have been able to, and there should be it should be clear cut. He should be able to do that without any hesitation. I think there's some really consistency in different games around the deliberate out of bounds too. Some were obvious yeah. and some weren't, and you just thought, I guess, yeah, uh, you scratch. I know your it's heads. a bugbear it's, for you. Yeah, well, some of these rules, um, well, they've they've given up on in the back in those ones in close when you tackle and sort of ram them into the ground in in a close contest. They. They've given up awarding them. They've given up awarding uh, below-the-knees free kicks and they've given up mm. awarding kicking in danger free kicks as well. They've given that yeah. away as well. So, the and, and the throws in close, I think they're just so keen to get the ball out of the congestion that they'll let some of those throws go. Yeah, you scratch your head at some of them, but... Thankfully, there's been some exhilarating footy in between, and a few teams played some quite inter- uh, some quite entertaining games. It was just hard at times watching. It seemed like every game at some point they cut to a wide shot, and everyone was in a quarter of the field. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a rubbish look. That and it is. Yeah, I, I found it interesting. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but two of the game's official legends, Kevin Bartlett and Lee Matthews, have both said in the last couple of weeks um, that. The best way to reduce the congestion is to reduce the interchanges significantly. They mm. said you don't have to worry about changing any of the rules or any of that. If you reduce that, 
and just tire the players out a bit and have less, you know, you're not coming on and just going bullet a gate for eight or ten minutes. you sort of got to stay on a bit longer and you get a bit more tired. That will, that will above everything else, change, open things up a bit. If you've got two yeah. legends of the game saying that, uh, it's good enough for me. KB's been beating that drum for a few years now, yes. um, uh, all the way back in the days when he was still on SEN. So, all right. uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sitting on the fence with. I I don't know really what the answer is, and I'm by no means a an expert. Uh, so, yeah, look, I, I think it needs to be trialed to to and you know I hate saying that because we we trial everything here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't see any other way to do it, really, is it? Um, yeah, we, it needs to be trialled in some way, shape or form to see if it works. And, you know, if it does, great. If it doesn't, well, then we go to the next plan. And I know it's a it's a frustration point. We, we want the game to be quick and flowing. And it, there are games that do that. Um, they, there's some games that are quick and flowing and the, the run and carry attacking style looks good and you know you, t- you touch on the St Kilda's and the West Coast that are they're getting their run and carry going and they, they look great and Carlton as well when they're they're on their game look good when they've got their run and carry game and attacking but there's been other games that have made people forget about those I think so we just may, maybe need to keep a little bit of perspective in that regard. Uh, look at that, the reasoned voice of Owen Carter. <laughs> uh, forget the hysteria of a Brad Sinclair or the anger or the frustration of a Dan Eddy. I'm just, the perennial fence uh, Yeah, aren't you? Yeah, but so that might be what we need at the moment. Uh, Carlton, 9-10-64 over a determined North Melbourne, 9-3-57. Mm. It, uh, it went down to the wire. It was a bit of a heart stopper in that last quarter, which was great because there was times there where you thought certainly probably... Yeah, quarter time when the Blues jumped out to a four-goal lead and, and you probably thought it could be a case of how far, but North really stuck at it, which was a credit to them, really. And uh, I don't know if you saw the game, but uh, yeah, fantastic for the Blues. But, yeah, it was a lot better match than I expected. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Blues uh, came out of the gates uh, full steam ahead, didn't they? That And North did not look up for it in that first quarter. But credit to them, they pegged that back and wrestled their way back into that game. Um Doherty again was a, a little bit quiet. They came in with a plan that Jasper Pittard was going to play that defensive forward role. And for the most part of the game, he actually did quite well, I thought. Um, I'm not sure about the bleach blonde hair for Jasper. But I'm not sure if that look works for him. But um, all the brain from that, yeah, all the brain looking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he had a massive brain fade at three quarter time. Um, maybe, maybe the peroxide seeped through. That could well be the, the case, mate. Absolutely. That was, that was a certain shot at goal for, I think, Paul Eck. And he has just had a brain fade and pushed a bloke over. I think it was Mark Murphy. And mm. had the kick reversed, which meant no shot at goal. And the siren went. I mean, imagine the spray he must have copped for that. I wouldn't want to be in that one. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but credit, credit to Ruse. They, as I say, they wrestled their way back into that game and made it a contest. But Blues were good enough to win. Um, unfortunately, we didn't see uh, the Mackay brothers line up against each other. So Harry was a late withdrawal. And uh, Ben uh, probably would have given him the call this week to say, what are you doing? Why are you, 
why are you pulling out against me? You're not, you're not good enough to beat me. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure that exchange would have happened. But uh, there was actually a funny little meme on, on Facebook that I noticed. Uh, someone pulled up that the fact that Harry pulled out of the game. Uh, he suggested that perhaps uh, there are no twins and they're just one and the same person. <laughs> good point, actually. That's, that's, a, that's a good conspiracy theory and there's been a few going around at the moment. But... Uh, well, they're saying uh, Brad Scott might be coaching Geelong now. <laughs> the one thing, uh, Harry Mackay was stiff from what I believe, and I think David Teague's been a bit vocal about it in the last 24 hours, but I, I believe he had a late, or he had, a, he had I, I don't know how many times the players get tested for the, for the virus throughout the week, but he had one, and the results didn't come back till late in the week or something. So he, he wasn't able to train with the group while he was sort of quarantined, waiting for the negative result, and then... Uh, that got pushed back, and then when he finally got to do a training session, he went and tweaked a. Uh, I'm not sure what the injury was, but he tweaked a muscle and had to pull out of the team at the last minute. So yeah. they'd, they'd be that's yeah one of the one of the unfortunate facts of what's happened uh, with the players being having to be so conservative and uh, yeah. waiting on tests and things like that, and it's ended up costing them a spot. But thankfully for the Blues, it didn't cost them victory. Um, no, they just snuck over the line, didn't they? Yeah, um, we're not going to really delve into this next game because it was a stinker, really. But uh, it, it, it was interesting because it was close. But the Hawks were just wowee. Nine six sixty, the Swans. A fantastic effort to get up and win um, when they haven't been off to a great start. Um, Hawthorne seven eleven fifty three. I've just got a stat here. If you remember back to Hawthorne's golden era of only a few years ago, that, that yeah. triple peat, they were, I dare say they were the best kicking team maybe in the history of the game, the way they were able to pinpoint passes and just uh, become a real key pillar of their game. They weren't a great yep. contested team. It was more about just brilliant disposal and winning the ball back off the opposition. And um, But this year they've recorded three of the worst five ever um, kicking efficiency stats, if that makes sense. So their worst three ever efforts have happened this year in rounds two, four, and eight. Um, 43%, 43.8% kicking was the effort against Sydney, which was just their worst ever since Champion Data's been in existence, since 1999. That is Hawthorne's worst ever kicking effort. So we can question Clark Arm, we can question... Uh, you know whether he's got the passion for the game I'm sure he has um, despite all the commentary but when your players aren't hitting targets and players that are the likes of you know star players like Chad Wingard and guys like that even Jack Gunston was missing some targets guys like that I mean <laughs> Clarko will go bald like like me soon because <laughs> if that's what your players are dishing up there's no game plan matters if you can't hit your targets yeah you're not wrong uh, Hawthorne have really dropped off the radar in the last three weeks, I think. Um, look, uh, as you say, it wasn't a pretty game to watch for for at least half of this match. Uh, there was quite a defensive slog. Um, it was a bit of a seesawing contest early. Uh, got a bit frenetic at times, but touch back on the boy from Bunyip, Tom Papley. He might be an antagonist and may not have deserved that uh, free-kick goal after after he's won in the goal square. But I'll tell you what... Um, it, Sydney can uh, thank their lucky stars he's sitting in that forward line. I did like <laughs> the inclusion of Sam Reid just to give them another option up forward and I think early that worked but um, yeah look Swanee's worked really hard for that one and 
you, all you have to do is have a look at the disposal girls to see that they had a pretty even spread of contributors there. And uh, Hawthorne just seemed to be relying on the same guys in, in and out every week. And they're not necessarily doing the same damage. I, I know Tom Mitchell, for one, is not doing or he's not as damaging since before he's he did his knee. So, um, yeah, look, that when blokes like Sicily uh, jumping up and being the top disposal getters, you can see it's coming down that back line a lot. Uh, and their swing of him forward late, I'm not sure what that really was going to accomplish considering he was sitting in the in the goal square, So especially when it wasn't coming down there at the time. Um, so, yeah, uh, Hawthorne have got a, a bit more soul-searching to do, I think, and need to work to another plan. And Clarko needs to stop uh, diverting the attention off him, I think. I think we need to start <laughs> talking about what Hawthorne are going to be doing now they're losing. Yeah, and I guess when you've got a guy like Mitch Lewis, who they hoped, Mitchell Lewis, who they hoped would be... Uh, I guess the next maybe Ruffy up forward that sort of guy is a big guy mm. and every now and again he teases with something but to have uh, one kick for the game and just have no input and uh, that throws things out a bit when you as you said Sam Reed, he may not have had 50 disposals but he's come in and just plonked himself up there and been a target for them and as you and he got them off to an okay start and just having guys like that in your forward line that you can trust to kick it to Uh, Sam at least evens the contest and makes it interesting for the forwards and as you say the Coleman medal leader Tom Papley's kicked four and just buzzing around everywhere and if you've got a guy that he knows he can rove off well that uh, that makes life a bit easier whereas the Hawks didn't have that which is what they used to have with Buddy and Ruffy up there yeah um, they're really lacking up forward and yeah, I don't know what the answer is for the Hawthorne side um, but we'll I guess we'll see in the coming weeks all that doesn't matter because all that matters this weekend is that Essendon nine eight sixty two <laughs> defeated the Crows eight eleven fifty nine. The the Crows that hadn't won a game and I was pretty sure that this was going to be the game that they were going to win. But I was very nervous and I had every right to be nervous because I think if the Crows had have uh, landed one or two of those shots in the last quarter, they would have actually beaten the Bombers. But thank Christ they didn't. But uh, it was <laughs> it was. Uh, it was pretty nervy stuff towards the end in a game that we really had to win to stay in that top bottleneck. And yeah. the Crows, full credit to them. It was a fantastic atmosphere over there. Jeff Blitham was there, our mate Jeff. He was he was in the yep. he got tickets off his mate and he was there in the crowd and he just said it was a fantastic atmosphere and the weather was perfect and they probably fifteen, twenty thousand fans there and you really got that sense of the the old school when the crows used to be up and flying, how the crowd yeah. really lifted them, and I reckon that happened. Tex Walker was one of their real important players early on. I thought he really came to play, and then, but as the game wore on, the likes of Zach Merritt, uh, Andy McGrath, these guys really stood up. I mean, Merritt's had thirty-three disposals and nine marks, and he's a real a massive game for Essendon through the middle, and really important. And then uh, Jordan Ridley again. I mean, some of the stuff he did was sensational he's as calm and cool as 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 say harris andrews at, at brisbane who's just a young bloke who believes in what they do and don't even though they're not massively built blokes they just stand there and don't get knocked off the ball and they read the ball so well so he's he's about to become a huge fan favorite and it was great having kyle lankford uh as we were talking about with hawthorne with the a, a key f- guy to kick to well lankford provided that at times um on Sunday, which was uh, fantastic because he's in and out of games. But when he's in games, he's he's a great 
link man for the team and he was able to stand up up forward. Uh, McDonald Tip and Woody had some energy last week. I was pretty critical, but he, he had some energy this week, which was fantastic and really put pressure on the defence. Same with uh, Jacob Townsend. Um, I was very critical of him last week, mm, but thankfully yeah. he, he lifted a bit this week, which was good because he, he, he wasn't much last week, but he was he was thereabouts a bit more this week. Um, yeah, I was really happy and... Um, I wasn't happy that we've only just beaten the bottom team by three points, but going to Adelaide and winning, as you know, as a St Kilda fan, it's not the easiest thing to do. So to go over there and do that, um, I'm, I'm happy to fly out with the four points and, and move on. <laughs> yeah, well, you, uh, we've gone back a, a few episodes ago when we are talking about uh, Richmond not winning because they don't have the crowd behind them. I dare say that could have been a, a big factor in, in Adelaide's performances in the last two matches uh obviously we haven't touched on the monday game between adelaide and st kilda but i think a a better side probably would have come over the top of st kilda in that third quarter um and look that possibly could have happened uh, against essendon uh, on sunday so look credit to essendon they got over over the line and did what they needed to do and the fact that they got the best out of their mids in terms of merit and mcgrath and langford and, and parish yeah um yeah th- that's what they needed in terms of getting the four points i think which is what they've lacked in the previous weeks um nice little uh gaelic tribute by mckenna running through the middle with his little solo kick um <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure he's the only one that does that out of the irish boys it's nice little uh, gimmicky thing to have here um, and everyone goes nuts for it so that's all right um, <laughs> what did you make of the uh, report uh, Matty Crouch and Townsend with the dual headbutting what, <laughs> you thinking something will come out of that uh, no I did I did think I thought Crouch initiated the pull in but it's almost a mutual <laughs> thing and for the umpire to report both said that he had no idea he just I mean he might as well have just left that for the video because uh, they were going to look at it anyway I'd, I'd be surprised if either of them get anything unless they do a fine or something but uh, a couple of blokes having a show of strength no one meant to hit each other in the head it was just pretty stupid that they they did but there's (laughs) a couple of bulls locking horns and they went up to each other at the end of the game and you saw there was a a bit of a joke between them so yeah yeah I wouldn't have thought there was any headbutting malice in it it was just a yeah, two bulls that both just went at each other just at the same time, <laughs> connected yeah. at the, just the same time. But I don't think we see that too often when the umpire says, I'm reporting you both for something. You'd hope that gets uh, thrown out quickly, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, Bombers are sixth, which is good. They're in that. They're only a game off the top spot with um, with Melbourne. The game with Melbourne still to come, but... Um, Bombers have only just been getting over the line in, in some of their wins, so it's, I'm not getting as carried away as Brad Sinclair is with uh, <laughs> St Kilda because we defeated Fremantle by a goal in round one, which is a long time ago now. Um, then we beat Sydney by a goal in round two. Uh, yeah, we missed that game with Melbourne in round three, obviously. Lost yeah. to Carlton by a point in round four, so... Then beat Collingwood by 15, which was the big win, winning margin. Beat North by 14. Um, last week flogged by the Bulldogs, and then this week they win by um, three points. So they're keeping their supporters on edge, but they're, they're winning. That's always one thing, isn't it? Sometimes you can have good seasons but lose all those close games. So yeah. 
the fact that they've at least won them is is keeping them in the hunt. But uh, so many of those games could go either way. And unfortunately for uh, nervous Essendon fans, is the next four weeks are massive games. I think we've got Brisbane. Uh, I know we've got St Kilda in four weeks' time. Um, should be a good game, that one. Yeah, it should. But there's a couple of others as well in, in between that that are also top top. Uh, eight teams so the real challenge is coming now for, I think Richmond might be one of them so the real challenge is coming now for the Bombers to see where they're at they've done well so far but uh, they have to go to another level to beat those teams but for local Bombers fans that was good to fly out of Adelaide with four points as it has been for the Saints over the last what six days to have your first two two wins there oh, it's been a glorious week so far <laughs> and another ripper to finish the round I mean, yeah, it was free. It was attacking. It was hard. It was physical stuff, and there was some highlights. And wasn't always pretty footy, but Melbourne and Brisbane, Melbourne the home team at uh, Metricon there, they won seven seven or lost seven seven forty nine to Brisbane seven eleven fifty three. And in a game that Melbourne, I reckon they'll kick themselves a few times for some of the misses they made. I mean, Sam Wiedemann He's providing a great presence for them, but boy, he missed two or three absolute sitters that might have really changed the momentum. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a bugbear with some of the Melbourne supporters as well. Is uh, A lot of people want that tall forward like Wiedemann in there just to give, say, the likes of McDonald a chop out, um, just so they've got another option to kick to. But his, his accuracy let him, lets himself down sometimes and his team down. So, look, I, I, just looking at – I caught the last half of this. I, I was working for the day today, so I only caught the last half, but – Look, it, as you say, it looked like a, a nice, tough contest and nice and attacking. Uh, Brisbane probably in control after quarter time uh, until that probably last half of the last quarter uh, where Melbourne just came at them and just threw the kitchen sink at Brisbane. And look, Brisbane just snuck over the line. Melbourne had their chances and it was a bit wet and greasy, so a little bit tougher for those guys to to try and come from behind to win. And we're... I think uh, there's only one game this year where the team trailing at three-quarter time has won. So if you're leading at three-quarter time, there's a fair chance you're going to get over the line. Yeah, I think that was round one, North Melbourne-St Kilda by memory. Uh, yeah, thank, thanks for that. Yeah, I thought I'd bring that up, but <laughs> I don't want you getting too far ahead of yourself. But again, that's that's the only time. I mean, that's that's a stunning result, really, to... The psychological edge that that obviously gives you to lead it, and it shows how hard it is to to keep coming from behind to win. So yeah. uh, that's the key to start well, get out of the blocks, and then just maintain it to uh, going into that last quarter and the mental edge. And the, the, there's something in that. Um, the other last game is going to be tonight, Monday night. Dockers taking on the Cats. Which have you got a tip for that one? I, I think Geelong, but. Um, you just never know, do you? Nah, well, Geelong's got six changes. Uh, uh, out of those six, that includes Ablett, Stephen, Selwood and Dalhouse. So, okay. yeah, yeah, there's some big outs out of that team. And yeah. you, you look at who's in and you're not necessarily filled with uh, a great deal of confidence as to who's coming in. So you've got Brad Close, Charlie Constable, Lockie Fogarty, Lockie Henderson, who's been in the wilderness a bit. I yeah. uh, haven't seen him for a while. Uh, Mitch Duncan and Tom Stewart are probably the two that were a big so, look, they may balance that team out slightly. Uh, Frio's only got the two changes, so Brandon Matera and Reese Conker in. Stephen Hill's out injured and Travis Collier omitted. So, look, Frio's hit a bit of form. You would suggest mm. that probably Geelong, by way to numbers, should win it, but I wouldn't count Frio out of it. 
No, for sure. Two handy playmakers in Hill and um, and Collier out, which which doesn't help, but puts more pressure on a Michael Walters to go to another level. But the fact it's over there in WA says that uh, it gives Frio a bit of a chance. Um, my, I'm, I'm leaning towards West Coast have skyrocketed in my view in terms of a premiership favourite because you know I get the impression the grand final will probably be played in Perth. It may, I hope I hope Queensland are in the running because they deserve it mm. for opening up the borders to the footballers and same with Adelaide Oval because it's just an awesome venue. But I just the AFL loves their money and uh, I imagine. Having a 60,000-seat stadium full yeah. would be uh, more enticing. So I dare say WA is the front-runner for the grand final at this stage. And if that's the case, uh, West Coast should be absolute odds-on, barring serious injuries. If they get a home grand final, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the way they're playing at the moment, I mean, that that is a huge thing for them. And that's that's no different to Richmond or Collingwood getting an MCG grand final. So it's not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm certainly not complaining about it. I'm just saying that I think... It puts them in the box seat at the moment for the premiership. Yeah, well, uh, as you said that, I just heard all the West Coast fans crying out, well, how about all these Victorian teams yeah. playing home grand finals at the MCG? Yeah. But I think you yeah, hit the nail on the head. It'll be, uh, if it's not at the MCG, it'll be the, the stadium with the next greatest amount of people that can hold. So if that's up to stadium, then I dare say that's what it will be because AFL will need the bums on seats, I, th- I think. Um, yeah, look... Uh, if West Coast get there, they've still got to win games to get there. So um, if we're taking this season by any grain of salt, it, we uh, need to take it week by week because whoever's up one week uh, can come down the next week. And especially coming into the next block of games where we're playing 33 games in 20 days, uh, that yeah. could have any deal of effect on any to- any side that's up now. So uh, we'll watch those games with great interest, I think. Definitely. It's exciting what's ahead um, we could go on about the AFL, but uh, running short of time, we've probably got some local stuff, I imagine, from your end, Mr Carter. I just wanted to say something, actually. I'm, I'm, my mate, um, I used to play footy up northern Victoria, up Katunga Swans. I used to go to yep. school. We lived up there for a few years, and our juniors were a very, very strong team over a few years. And one of my uh, premiership teammates, Rod Gundrell, a uh, good school friend of mine, and Hello to him and Alicia, his wife. They've been they've been listening to all our episodes. I said they loved it. Uh, Rod loved your um, discussing the local results last week because uh, he's just taken over coaching the power under 18s down at Wonthaggy there. So he's uh, he's wrapped at the footy's back and he's uh, he's glad that you are covering it in such a great way, mate. So. Ah, thank you very much, Rod. Uh, I have seen your name pop up every now and then on the Gippsland Footy socials, so uh, thank you for the good feedback. Uh, it's always nice to hear. It's, it does seem like a, a bit of a thankless job every now and then, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, thank you very much. Um, and I was going to touch on Gippsland Power too, returning to play. So all the, uh, the I was going to say TAC Cup then, the NAB Cup uh, countrysides, uh, they return to play the August 22-23 weekend. Oh, yeah. uh, so Gippsland Power don't act... Because uh, there's only five country teams, uh, it doesn't include Dandenong Stingrays. Um, uh, De- uh, Gippsland Power will start with an intra-club game for that starting weekend. So the other four teams will play off uh, in two of those games and Gippy Power will have to wait for the following round. But yeah, that's good news that uh, some of the 18 boys are are going to be able to play. Um, speaking yeah, of which, um, former Gippsland Power 
draftee Cal Porter made his debut for Western Bulldogs this oh last weekend, sorry. Well, the weekend just been, so yep. that's been a couple of years in the making. Um, and a very good news story on the paper news that Maddie Dunn has organised about Lucas Ion from Dalston. Um, a, a few people in locally will know that tragically he's he was in a car accident where he lost his younger brother and mm. he was told he might not walk walk again but now he's uh fighting fit and ready to go so that was that was great news as well um if you want to check that out jump on papernews.com.au definitely yeah matt's pretty proud of that story and he should be it's a fantastic read so make sure you check that out because that was uh yeah that was a shock to i think he was was he a dalston player I believe so. Yeah, they were yeah, on the way up. They were on the way up the South Gippy to play Cooey Rupp, and yeah, yeah that right. that was called off. And yeah, that was a horrible, horrible incident. But uh, it's good to see Lucas on the mend. Fantastic. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll drive straight into uh, local results. So you, speaking about Rod and being happy with uh, covering the results. So Gippsland League under 16s. Moe defeated Lee and Gatha by 32. Mafra lost to Warrigal by three. Sale lost to Bairnsdale by 137. Mm. Trelgan defeated Morwell by 83. And Wonthaggy lost to Druin by 26. In the under 18s, Lee and Gatha defeated Moe by 95. Mafra lost to Warrigal by 44. Sale defeated Bansdale by 22. Trelgan lost to Morwell by 15. And Wonthaggy defeated Druin by 43. Uh, I, I think next week I'll start having a look at the ladders for those as well. Just run through them quickly next week. Um, give them a couple of games to set out who's, who's who and who's not. Um, there's a couple of re-signing announcements. So if you jump on the socials on Coralin, Turret and Delmore, Morwell East, uh, Trailgan Tires United and Trailgan, they've got re-signing announcements. The big one though, and uh, I know Maddie Dunn's got an article lined up on this one as well, Campbell Brown will be playing for Kilcunder Bass next year. So yeah, the former the Hawk and Son, uh, he's going to be offering his services down in Pantherland. So nice to have some ex-AFL talent in, in the local league, so even though he's been out of the out of the mix a bit for a few years, but I'm, I'm sure he's got some sort of fitness. Well, he tried to swim the English Channel, I think, once or twice, and I don't think he got across for whatever reason, but uh, he certainly got further than I would have. But so he's obviously <laughs> he's obviously kept himself in a bit of shape to uh, to have even uh, considered attempting that. So uh, that's a huge coup, isn't it? Any any time we can get an AFL standard player, premiership, uh, yeah, premiership player with the Hawks in two thousand and eight. So to get someone like that down here, I mean, that's a huge coup, and that uh, I imagine he didn't come come cheap. He wouldn't have he wouldn't be paying for the love of the game, would he? Um, I dare say some monetary value might have been exchanged, but uh, I'm not privy to that, so I won't delve too much into that. <laughs> it, it is good to see uh, some AFL talent coming down Gippsland Way. We're, we're not exactly close to the to the CBD as such. I mean, we did have some talent lined up to play this year as well. I mean, Robbie Murphy was, or Bobby Murphy, whichever way you want to say it, uh, he was lined up to play a one-off game in Inverloch with Jared Roughhead and Dale Thomas was going to come back to Druin and I'm sure there's another couple that I'm missing off the top of my head, but we were all primed up for a, a big year of um, some ex-AFL talent coming down to to homeland. So obviously Ruffy is a is a ex-South Gippy boy down at Lee and Gatha. So you sort of scratch your head and go, why are you playing, playing for Inverloch? But I think his brother's playing down there. So that's a good reason why. And Bobby Murphy was going to join him. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's good news. Uh, we'll move on to coaches. So I'll start with uh, Bunyip the 
Now, they've had dual coaches for the last year or two in uh, former St. Aussie Jones and Ricky Clark. They've decided to step down, so they're going to stay on the committee at Bunyip, but they'll no longer be coaching next year. Uh, speaking of Bunyip, uh, former former Bunyip uh, player Aaron Paxton, sorry, I can't read my own writing. Aaron Paxton um, is going over down the down the fr- uh, down the highway rather to Longwarry, so he's the new coach down there. Uh, Brad Weller is down at Yarragon, and Lockie Gillespie has re-signed at Turretin Delmore in the West Gippie League. So good to see there. Um, I'll cap it off, cap off the local stuff with. The probably the biggest news story out of the week was Trafalgar in the Mid Gippsland Football Netball League will be holding a special general meeting on Thursday, the 30th of July, and they're going to discuss with their members uh, whether they want to leave the Mid Gippsland Football League and join the Ellen Bank District Football Netball League. So, um, there's a few reasons they cited, one of them being junior development. They don't feel that they're going to get the same junior development at Mid Gippie that they will at Ellen Bank uh, and a stronger netball competition. Those are a couple of reasons. Uh, Is the Alberton connection part of it, do you think? Or? Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that when the Alberton merger was on the cards last year or the year before, I did hear whispers that Trafalgar were. Uh, considering moving to or moving anywhere. Uh, so there could be that involved, but I don't think they've stated that as one of the reasons. So uh, you'd have to be in the in the inner circle to know that much, I would have thought. But I thought you were. I thought you were at every <laughs> meeting. I, I got the impression you're at every meeting that happens everywhere. Yeah. No, no, I, I can't be in uh, 70 different places at once, sadly. But, uh, yeah, look at... That'll be interesting in the if they do leave that leave that, well, first they have to get the members to vote for it to leave. Um, then Ellen Bank have to accept them if they want to leave. So that will be the next challenge if the members do decide to leave. So my mail is that potentially Ellen Bank might say no, and given past history. Um, considering the Alberton clubs that wanted to move to Ellenbank, who also said no. Um, that's definitely on the cards, but look, that's just crystal balling at the moment, so um, I don't don't know the future so we'll we'll watch this space very carefully on that and you know there's a couple there's a couple of whispers going around that there could be a bit more movement across leagues, so I'll keep an ear out for that and report it as it comes to hand. Uh, you've heard it all here first, or, or at least uh, secondhand, but uh, yeah, <laughs> some of it's probably been on websites and things, but uh, not explained in the way that our man Owen Carter does it. And uh, yeah, I'm always amazed by how much across it you are, and I'm extremely uh, um, respectful of your wife for her patience in your your, <laughs> your quest for all this knowledge. So uh, thank As you. As am too. I, mate. As yeah, am I. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, just the AFL, just before we finish up, um, round nine, it's about to kick off in a very strange way where there's going to be footy every day for about the next 10 years, which is fantastic. <laughs> uh, Wednesday it kicks off, round nine kicks off. I don't know if, what we'll do next Monday, whether we'll uh, cover all the games in, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, it's so much going on and it, it's almost by the time it gets to Monday, uh, Wednesday is a pretty old date, isn't it? So... Um, mm. But Wednesday's the start of round nine, the Bulldogs and Richmond. And then Thursday is Melbourne, Port Adelaide. Uh, Friday is a doubleheader. Fantastic. Carlton Hawthorne into Essendon, Brisbane. The Blues kicking off at 
I assume that's Melbourne time, but it's in Perth. And then then, they, then we trip to Queensland for the Bombers and the Lions in a, a massive game, really. And then uh, Saturday, three games, North Melbourne, Adelaide, St Kilda, Sydney, West Coast, Geelong, uh, which should be a huge game. Tim Kelly against his old club, mm. and uh, Kelly's just hitting peak form. So that's going to be fl- fascinating watching him go head-to-head with Paddy Dangerfield. And then... Sunday, Gold Coast GWS into Fremantle Collingwood. So it's a massive start to a four-week block, at least a four-week block, maybe an eight-week block of just full-on footy, which is going to keep us uh, very entertained. There's not going to be much time for the uh, <laughs> for the one-on-one uh, um, wife and husband time because there's going to be a lot, of, no. a lot of time on the couch watching the footy or, or you're going to have to sneak off to the toilet and just pop the phone on and just listen to the game in there <laughs> if she doesn't want you watching too much. But uh, plenty to keep us occupied over the next uh, few days. Yeah, look, I, I might be divorced in the next four to eight weeks, mate. So. <laughs> Plenty of room here, mate. You move in here yeah. and we'll uh, we'll just bunker down for a big they, uh, footy festival. They won't let me through the checkpoints, mate. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Uh, uh, we, we've probably waffled long enough, but a big thank you to Brad Sinclair up there just sunning himself yes. on the Gold Coast, and uh, I'm sure he spoke to us in jocks and a singlet and not much else, and uh, we're sitting here rugged up pretty, pretty warm, but... Thanks to Brad. Great insight. We might get him on later in the year, particularly if there's some finals played. Or once those games start being played at Kazali Stadium, it could be interesting to get him on. Yeah, uh, just one thing before we wind up too. I did want to touch on um, the passing of Shane Tuck. Um, he did play juniors at Drouin before he went to Dandenong Stingrays and had a, a very good career with uh, Richmond. So, yeah, that was, that was very sad to hear. Obviously, we haven't heard much of Tucky since he tried to tried his hand at a boxing career, which I, by all accounts wasn't super successful, but we can't always succeed in everything we do. Um, but yeah, uh, rest in peace, Tucky, and uh, hopefully uh, we we give out all of our our well wishes and condolences to his friends and family. Yeah, definitely. I only met Michael and Faye um, uh, a few months ago. Yeah, for the first time. Lovely people and very proud of their kids. So uh, definitely thinking of everyone there. It's shocking, but it was great to see the Richmond and um, tribute to him before the game, and mm. and most a lot of teams are wearing the black armbands in honour of him. It's I mean he's my age, so it's a bit of a or oh, just a year younger than me. So yeah, yeah, it hits home, doesn't it? So definitely thinking of the family, but uh, yeah, sad note to leave no. us on. But it's yeah, been a, sorry, mate. <laughs> no, no, no. We uh, we need to touch on that because it's uh, it rocked a few people, I think, and it's during a time when a lot of us are feeling a bit flat and and having our struggles. So make sure you reach out to someone or ring Lifeline or do whatever you need to do just to uh, let someone know if you're not going too well. Um, don't you don't have to be a big tough man and, and hold it in. You can. Uh, it's okay to go and talk to someone. So. Make yep, sure you um, do that, man or woman, obviously. But whoever it is, if you're feeling a bit, bit flat, you need to uh, need to tell someone because a lot of us are feeling flat, and probably a lot of us aren't saying much because uh, we're all in a pretty ordinary place at the moment. But in terms of restrictions and and fearful headlines in the newspapers and on the news, but uh, yeah, footy footy has been one thing that has really I think helped a lot of people too, and that's. Well, we're pretty thankful for the players that they're putting it on and the umpires and everyone who's making the effort to live away from home and do it for us. It's a pretty awesome effort. 
Yep, absolutely. Um, anyone that's uh, struggling, as you say, Beyond Blue, Lifeline, as uh, a good pod, uh, good podcast that is uh, written or not written, but made and produced uh, in Gippsland. It's called Blokes Don't Talk. That's on Spotify as well. So, okay. obviously, if you're getting your Spotify podcast from us uh, through Spotify, then you can jump on Blokes Don't Talk. That's made in Gippsland. Uh, not just for Gippslanders, for everyone. So if you don't want to ring someone but need to hear someone else that is uh, having a bit of struggle and how they got through it, that's a good one to check out. Good call. Yep, beautiful. All right. Thanks for listening to Any Given Monday. Yet again, we'd normally go out with a – I'd be pretty cheery about a go, Bombers, but I think we know who needs to sign us off today. Oh, and have a great few days, mate, and I look forward to talking to you again next uh, Sunday night or Monday, and uh, you can sign us off. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners, for listening. We look forward to you listening next week. And go Saints. Any given Monday.